Welcome back to the South Harbor Church Podcast. South Harbor is a part of the Harbor Churches, which exist to help people find their way back to God. This week, Pastor Tim brings us a message where we take a look at the rhythms that God established through the creation of the world. As always, for more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, stick around after the message. And now, let's head over to Pastor Tim. And if I have yet to meet you, my name is Tim, and um, bye kids, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, we, oh, by the way, uh, it's, this is, um, I was telling the first service that I have, I was gone for a couple of weeks, so I'm, I'm like rusty, shaking the cobwebs off, so th- like bear with me today. Uh, had a great vacation, I'm back, you can tell how tan I am, like, I, you know, it's warm, <laughs> but I missed you all, I missed you. Apparently that's one-sided. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back, and um, I'm excited. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and then also in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to bounce back and forth. Um, I'm excited about what we get to talk and un- talk through and unpack this morning. Uh, we began our series in Genesis at the beginning of the year, and uh, we're just in the first couple of chapters. Uh, our hope in this very first, we call them micro-series. So the macro-series would be Genesis in these micro-series. Our hope was that uh, we could lay a foundation. And uh, from here, we are going to uh, dive into one of, I think, one of the most epic, compelling stories um, that's ever been told. It's, it's better than whatever you'll find on Netflix, I promise you. Uh, it is a better story. The characters are, uh, are the, the struggles they face, the questions they ask, are more human than, I don't know, Seinfeld or Friends. I mean, like, they're just, they're, they're like, they're, they're more real. Um, and so uh, we're going to walk with them and journey with them through the story. And uh, next week, we are going to pick the story back up. But one of the things we, we wrestled with as we put the series together was because the story is such a big story, uh, and like a lot of really epic, big stories, it's possible that we get lost in a, in a great story. Um, my hope is that you get kind of lost in this great story. And it's possible that uh, if we're not really intentional about it, we can forget that this isn't just a history lesson. It's not just something that happened then. Um, but these stories, uh, one, of the, one of the questions you always have to ask with what is the Bible? Um, what kind of book is the Bible? Uh, the Bible is a guidebook for life. The stories we have are, were eventually written down. So first they were passed orally, and then they were eventually written down so that they could help us in our, in our actual lives. And so um, what we wanted to do between each of these um, micro-series is we wanted to take just a pause. Um, so this week we're going to hit pause and reflect on what we just saw and ask the question at a, at a very practical level, what do we do with this? That is very practical, like uh, Monday through Sunday, what, like how do we live this stuff out? Uh, and so today I want to talk specifically about rhythms and, um, and unpack a little bit, once again, what we looked at and ask the question, how do we live in harmony with the rhythms that God has organized the world? Um, with that said, uh, if you are following along in your devotional, you uh, will notice that there is not a week set aside for this particular week. We'll start next week in the series two, um, but what you were handed out, did everybody get one of these on your way in? If not, they're in the back. We'll grab one on your way out. Um, this, is, this is your tool for devotions this week. And so um, we're going to take a pause from the devotional. If you want to stay with us in the devotional, we'll start again in this book next week. If you're wondering, what is this devotional? I've been gone a couple weeks. Um, come talk to me. We, I don't know that we have any left, but uh, we'll, let me know that you still need one and we'll uh, maybe place another order. So um, hopefully, are these helpful? Good. Okay, good, good. Um, but hit pause for this week, and then this will be your tool uh, to think through rhythms, and we'll touch on some of that this week uh, or this morning. Um, but one of the things you discover early in Genesis is that uh, Genesis reveals that God at his core is a God of rhythm. Um, God designs the universe uh, in this rhythm. Uh, there is repetition and cadence at the beginning of your scriptures. We start noticing the patterns. 
Uh, and God said, and, and it was good. And God said, and it was good. There was evening, and there was morning. And it was evening, and there was morning. Uh, there's this repetition and this cadence. It's got kind of a beat and a flow to it all. Um, but beyond just that, um, what you discover is that not only does, this, does, does Genesis have a rhythm and a repetition, uh, God actually tells us that he wires the world to have natural rhythms and repetition. Um, when you read about the sun, moon, and stars, the greater lights and the lesser lights, uh, the sun, moon, and stars serve a purpose. And it's not just to give us light, but according to Genesis, the purpose of the sun, moon, and stars, um, Genesis 1.14 says, uh, is to separate the day from the night and to serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Uh, so, so there's these natural, uh, there are natural times to work, and then there are natural times to stop working. There are times to to create and to organize and to plan and to strategize. And then, according to Genesis, there should be times that we stop and we rest and we allow God to heal us and fill us again. And, uh, and Genesis talks about how there's uh, daily, weekly, and yearly rhythms behind the universe. God intentionally wired the universe so that we would have a daily rhythm of uh, when it's sunny, and, or when it's sunny, when it's daytime, Sunny is not a thing that we have a lot here. We had it this morning. Um, but when it's daytime, you work. And then when the sun goes down, you rest. Built in the day. Uh, once a week, God builds into creation a day known as, uh, according to your Bible, as the Sabbath. And Sabbath means to cease or to stop. It's a day of rest. Uh, by the way, the very first thing in your Bible that is declared holy is the Sabbath day. The very first thing that God says, this is holy, is, a, is time. And so once a week, God says, you, you work hard for six days. And then once a week, you, you cease working. You stop. Uh, and then at a yearly level, um, you find that uh, this, this whole mark the sacred times. Uh, there, are, there are two seasons in Israel. Um, the old joke in Michigan is that we have two seasons too. You know, winter and construction. You know the joke. Okay. Uh, there, there are two seasons in Israel as well. Uh, you've got the rainy season that goes from October to about early April, sometimes a little bit later, but October to April. And then um, I, I was in Israel in January a few years ago, and it rained just about every day. During those days, it rains. And then you have a dry season. And the dry season is the rest of the year, and you hardly ever get any rain. And so uh, you go to Israel in the rainy season, Guaranteed to get rain, almost certainly. You go to Israel in the dry season. If you see rain in the dry season, it's an abnormality. Uh, but there are two seasons. And in the, in the dry season, that's a season of work. You plant the crops, you till the soil, you, uh, you water, like you do your work. In the rainy season, you rest. There's not much you can do. The rainy season, the Jewish people will tell us, is, this, is the season where we have to learn to trust God. God doesn't send rain. There's no crops. Now, if you don't do the work in the, in the dry season, then, okay, God can do his part, but if you don't do your part. So there's this rhythm and this balance to it all. Now, where, um, where uh, things get kind of messed up is that, in our world at least, uh, up until very recently everyone still functioned under these rhythms, right? Up until very recently, um, uh, and, and, and again, when I say recently, I mean like at the advent of modern technology, our daily rhythm, it used to be uh, where when it was light out, you did your work. And when the sun set, you could maybe light a candle and do some work. But by and large, there wasn't much you could do once the sun was set. You had to stop. You reconnected with your family. You, like, you, you told some stories. But by and large, life kind of stopped. And then came electricity and light bulbs. And now for many of us, uh, you go to work. I'm guessing for some of you, you go to work before the sun comes up. I know, right? It's not shocking. Uh, students, you're in school before the... I remember uh, during the, the heart of winter, like you go to school when it's dark out and you leave school when it's dark out. And it just feels like you're... It, it's hard. Um, and uh, it's... This is new. Like, that we can do this is, is new. Up until the light bulb and electricity, you couldn't do that. That's a daily rhythm. Uh, the, the weekly rhythm, for us, um, this device really messed that up, right? Uh, you could take a day off. Your job might have allowed you to take a day off up until recently, but now this thing is always going. It's always, there's always an email to answer. There's always a new notification of something you got to pay attention to. There's always, there's always something to do. 
Uh, and it's really hard to, if you're like me, you can justify it. Like it'll take me five seconds just to, to answer that email. And if I do it now, then it's off my mental radar. I don't have to deal with it. Um, and the expectation has shifted. Is this true in your world? The expectation used to be, okay, well, it's the weekend. He's, they'll get to it on Monday. But now, um, my, if I don't answer a text, this isn't the one being recorded. My mother-in-law, if I don't respond to her text message within five minutes, uh, she will send the search patrol out. Like, is everything okay? Like, there's just this expectation that I have to keep this by me at all times. Um, I'm guessing some of you are like that. And then, so like, there's a daily rhythm, the weekly rhythm, and then our, our yearly rhythm. Uh, there was a season when it was winter and what did we hit? Five degrees this week? It's cold, cold, cold. Uh, you couldn't do much. Um, it was like the, the world shut down. God kind of shut things down and um, there wasn't a whole lot of work you could do. You could light a fire, maybe do a little bit, but not a lot you could do. And now for most of us, our work schedule doesn't change much from summer, fall, winter, spring, right? We, we for many of us, we leave, one, we leave a climate-controlled house to get like the most of the seasons we get in the winter is we leave that house, we shiver a little bit, we get in a climate controlled car and then we shiver a little bit and then we walk into a climate controlled work environment and, uh, and, and winter doesn't slow us down at all. Uh, we can, I checked this out yesterday. I can go to D&W right now or Meyer. I'm assuming this is true for too. I can go to D&W or Meyer, and right now I can buy a pineapple from Costa Rica in February in Michigan. This is new. This is a new thing. Uh, and so if we're going to fall in line with the rhythms that God has wired the world, we're going to now have to do that intentionally. Um, it's, we can't just rely on the weather's going to do that for us or the sun's going to do that for us. We're going to actually have to lean into that. Uh, and so what I want to think through that with you all is how do we, how do, we do that? Um, especially because for many of us, uh, the, while the technology is good, it is good. It's good that we can work a little bit longer. It's good that we ha- like have heat and like it, that's good. Um, but while it's good, uh, for many of us, what's the net result of that has been that the pace of our life feels like it's just gotten faster. Anybody else feel like every once in a while it's like you're on a treadmill and somebody's just cranking up that speed on you and uh, and you you're just expected to keep running. You're just expected to keep going, um, and you, you want to stop. And the only time you really stop is when you crash. Um, for many of us, if there's a word that you would use to describe your life, the word you would use is busy. I've actually I've been trying to pay attention to this and how people talk, how we talk to each other. This is, kind of, this is a classic introduction um, that I've observed. You probably do this. Don't feel bad. I do it too. Um, but this is, this is how we introduce ourselves now. It's, hey, Tim, how are you? Good, busy. How are you? Good, busy. How's the family? Good, busy. How's your family? Good, busy. How's work? Busy, good. How's your work? Busy, good. We switch them on that one. Uh, but, but like that, like busy has become kind of the de facto. And my question is, is it good? <laughs> is it good? Um, is the, the faster, 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 gas pedal down, uh, turn the car, take the speedometer into the red uh, and stay there and see how long the car shakes before we fall. Is it good? Biblically, I don't know, this is a well-kept secret. You don't have to keep going at that pace. In fact, God's, God commands Christians not to keep going at that pace. So uh, before we dive into some teaching, uh, listen to these words out of Jeremiah. Let this just speak to you. Uh, it speaks to me. Um, these are Jeremiah chapter, Jer- the prophet Jeremiah chapter two uh, from the message translation. Slow down, take a deep breath. Let's practice. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? Yeah, slow down, take a deep breath. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, but what about work? Work matters. It does matter. It does matter. To your Bible, your job matters. The things you do, the work you do matters. So what do we do with that? If, if God's wired the world to be a world within rhythm, and if in our world, our world is outside of rhythm, and if work is good, where do we go? For, how do we live this out? 
So uh, what I want to walk you through is a day in the life of Jesus. I want you to see that Jesus does both. Uh, and I think Jesus does both in a brilliant way. Um, what I think you'll discover, I find this really helpful, is that Jesus is not lazy. Often what happens when we talk about Sabbath or rest um, is, is like, well, yeah, well, they're just telling me not to do, my, to, to do my work, but my work is important. I have to do this work. It's good work. Yes, it's good work. Uh, and Jesus also recognizes that we have to rest. I want to walk you through a day in the life of Jesus. You ever wonder, like, what's an average day? Of, in, like, we have the big days recorded in your Bible. What's an average day? Thankfully, Mark in Mark chapter 1 tells us. Mark chapter 1, if you're following along, uh, verse 21. They, that is Jesus and his disciples, uh, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Let's pause there. That's one of those verses that we read right past to get to the, the story, right? Um, but uh, already in the story, you get a sense for how exhausting Jesus' day is. You get kind of a sense. Just, 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 he, began, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach and he taught them as one who had authority. I know I'm a little bit biased in this one because this is what I do. So uh, I'm a little biased. This is my, what I do. And it, I think it's exhausting. If, do we have any teachers here or educators? Any educators? Is it not exhausting what you just read? Like to, to prepare, so, so you have um, the preparation of your lesson, right? That's hard. Then you've got the like, I gotta go stand in front of a group of people. Have you ever given like a best man speech or maid of honor speech or uh, you, a presentation in front of a group of people? So it's like the preparation, I gotta do all this work. And then it's the, I gotta stand in front of a group of people. That's in that's, I get asked every once in a while, are you still nervous when you, when you preach? And the answer is every single time, every single time. It's, it's a little better than it used to be, but every single time it's still like those, those pregame jitters. Um, so you've got that going on. I have to assume Jesus and his humanity is also got some of that going on. I have to believe that that's going on, especially with the teachers of the law gathered, like the experts are in the room. So, so you have that, that's, that's, I find that to be sometimes exhausting. Um, but then you've got, uh, so in, in this particular story, um, you've got the like, okay, they're, they're, the crowds are amazed. Uh, they're amazed at his teaching. Uh, so you have this immediately after Jesus teaches this, whatever his sermon is, the crowds are amazed. They, they love his teaching. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what he says. I, I know for me, often, if it's a really emotional sermon, uh, like it's a roller coaster. I, I wonder for Jesus if he feels the same thing. I remember when we did three services here um, before we did renovation, and uh, there was a couple of sermons in there that I shared some really hard, like personal stuff. And I just remember the roller coaster ride of like of emotions. Just that third one, I felt like I was peeling myself up off the ground to like do it again. Uh, and here we read that the crowds are amazed, and I. Now, I don't know exactly what happens after Jesus, like Mark doesn't tell us exactly what that looks like right after the sermon, but um, if, I have to assume it looks something like after a sermon here, and uh, I have to assume there's some people that are coming up to Jesus and talking to him afterwards. And so I have to fill in the gap, it doesn't tell us, but uh, I know from, from uh, my experience is what happens afterwards is you, many of you will come and share your stories. And um, here's the secret on that. I never know what to expect when you come share your stories. I, every single time, like I'll see, I'll see, usually I can like, okay, that person wants to talk. I never know. Sometimes the stories you tell are exhilarating. Like they're just um, stories of, uh, of new pregnancy or new baby or new, like my child got engaged. Um, like uh, a new, I got a new job. I've been wanting this job. There's this new opportunity. And so sometimes like, I, I'll, like you come up and I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And it's, it's this like exhilarating story. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will come up and um, the thing you want to talk about is political. <laughs> That's exhausting, if I'm honest. It's like, <laughs> well, what's your position on? I'm like, okay, I'm Tim. Nice to meet you. Uh, but like every once in a while, like that, that, can, that can happen. Um, uh, sometimes they're, they're completely unpredictable. Sometimes you'll come up afterwards and I'm like, I have no idea what you're going to say. And then you catch me off guard. Uh, you surprise me even in my surprise. Uh, you'll say things... I've had conversations within the last couple of months around quantum entanglement after the service. Interesting. I know very little about quantum entanglement, but I've had a conversation about it. Uh, is time linear or is time cyclical? I've had that conversation. Um, like, you know, the Eastern worldview says this. And we, uh, I've had conversations about physics. And um, a couple weeks ago, somebody asked me about aliens. It's 
fun conversation. Uh, I've had a conversation a couple weeks ago about uh, ice baths and whether or not ice baths are proven for our health. Um, Interesting. Uh, I've had conversations, again, just intriguing, interesting interesting conversations. Uh, How did you like Taylor Swift's new album, Pastor Tim? Um, Okay, I'll tell you my hot takes on Taylor Swift. Uh, when 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 you deadlift, do you use a straight bar or the hex bar? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, uh, do you like Beats by Dre or do you prefer Apple headphones? Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, like, you never really know. You never really know. So those are always, honestly, those are the most fun. I have no idea what is going to come next. Um, but then every once in a while, uh, the conversations, and I have to imagine this is probably a lot of what Jesus experienced. Uh, the stories that come up after a service are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and these tend to happen with a st- um, when, the, when the scripture brings up a passage or a story that uh, is really personal. Um, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the Judas story, and Judas uh, commits suicide. And just reading that story, uh, I had some of the most painful conversations, like beautiful conversations, but painful conversations, because many of us have loved ones who have uh, died in that way. Um, when, we, when we touch on a story like, uh, we'll, we'll come on it later, but a story of infertility. That's many of your story. A story of child loss. Sometimes after the service, it's just like, whether the, the experiences are exhilarating, intriguing, uh, confusing, political, um, or heartbreaking, uh, I think the word I would use sometimes is it can be really exhausting. It can be really exhausting. I have to imagine uh, Jesus in this moment is already exhausted. Teachers, you know what I'm talking about, uh, right? You, you, uh, like after a class day, it's exhausting. And what you learn here is that this is Jesus' day just getting started. Um, verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Pause there again. That's kind of scary, right? That's kind of holy. What? Uh, Jesus teaches, and then on his way to his car, not his car, but uh, like you've, you've got this guy calling out, and it's got like a Stephen King vibe, like, what do you want with us, Jesus? Like, <laughs> like it's terrifying. Okay, we'll continue. Uh, you're going to have nightmares now. I'm sorry. Uh, Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives order to impure spirits, and they obey him. And the news about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So Jesus is teaching, he's casting out demons, and his reputation is growing. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, um, so if you're taking notes, they haven't even left the synagogue yet. Like, this is pre-lunch. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with um, the disciples, James and John, to the home of some other disciples, Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus, they're not wasting no time, they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Which is what mother-in-laws are supposed to do. Um, <laughs> We're not recording this one. Uh, he teaches. He heals the demon-possessed man. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was a joke. Uh, uh, there's physically sick people that are close to him and his friends. He heals them. Uh, more crowds. And the crowds want more. More, more, more. You ever find like you have a success in life? Like the work is going well. And instead of people saying, you've worked really great. You should go on vacation. They say, awesome. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next, next semester. Or Awesome, you crushed it. I can't wait to see what next quarter you're gonna do. And it's like the bar of expectation gets higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon-possessed, all of them. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. That's a whole longer conversation. But just notice here that Jesus is working late into the night. You ever work late into the night? It's like, you just want to go to bed. It's just a lot going on. It's important work, but it's a lot going on. And then this, this is the critical part. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
There's a time for work, and then there's a time for rest. There's a time to give it everything you've got, and then there's a time to stop. What Jesus recognizes is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And Jesus in this, it's like his battery, if your life is like an iPhone and your battery just drains, um, you have to recharge. And Jesus retreats on his own to a solitary place to let God fill him back up. There's a time for work and then there's a time for rest. But what you'll notice, and I'm guessing this is true for you too, just because Jesus wants to take a rest doesn't mean that the work goes away. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him. So he's like hiding from them. Uh, and they found him. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Every, you ever have a you sense of panic in that? Like everyone is looking for you. Jesus, yesterday was awesome. You're famous now. You can't stop now. You're famous. Like you finally like... Um, your content is going viral. You got to stay in the game. You can't stop producing content. Whatever kids are saying. You, you got to keep going, right? Like, like Joe Rogan wants an interview or Oprah, or whoever your person is. But like, you got to keep going. Like now is the time. Capitalize on it. You're famous. Like, and, there's, and these are hurting people. This is important work, Jesus. You can't just leave them. This is important. You ever feel like your job is important and it's hard to get away because your job is important? Jesus replied, this is, let us go somewhere else, he says, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. That one's worth underlining. That is why I have come. If you were to answer that question, like, why? Like, why are you here? Jesus has this, like, crystal clear sense of here's who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. That is why I have come. Um, like, work is good. Right? Work is good. Jesus has good work to do. Work was created before the fall. I don't know if you know, knew this. I think Hannah walked through the story, this part of the story with us a couple weeks ago. Um, but work will become toil in the fall, but work is created before sin. Work was created to be good. Jesus leans into his work. It's important work. But notice this. Uh, it's when Jesus stops and rests that he gets a sense of clarity on what he's supposed to do. I wonder for some of us, it's, our lives are so go, 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 work, 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 work. We don't have time to stop and rest. And we wonder why we're less satisfied in the jobs that we have when it's not that the job is bad. We actually love the job. It's that we haven't actually slowed down enough to hear, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Also notice this. There is a city filled with sick people. Capernaum's got all the sick people are coming to Jesus' door. Jesus, to do the work he's supposed to do, that he discerns he's supposed to do in this moment, connecting with his father. Jesus will turn his back on those sick people to pursue the bigger mission. Now you say, how dare you, Jesus? That's important. Those are sick people. That's not kind. And if Jesus, what's the bigger mission? Jesus, if you follow Mark, the whole story is pointed toward Jerusalem. Jesus has to go to the cross and die. If Jesus doesn't fulfill the bigger mission, he's stuck in Capernaum, which is good work, but he'll, he'll, well, salvation as we know it would be different. It'd be extinguished. Just makes sense. Uh, Jim Collins, the um, business guy, you know Jim Collins? Uh, Jim Collins uh, talks about from good to great in his big book and how we have to think about all the good things that we could say yes to, but then be willing to, to step away from the good things so that we can go after the great thing. I wonder for some of us, our calendars get so full on all the good things. They're all, they're all good things, um, but they get so full that we never have opportunity to, or time to pursue the great thing that God has for us. My point, pour yourself into your work. Work matters. Work matters. Um, uh, doing good work matters. If you're a teacher, don't just see your job as I got I to gotta teach these kids a bunch. I got to pass information from here to their brain, my brain to their brain. You are filling their imaginations with life and wonder. When my kids, uh, my kids have had some great teachers and to watch what they're, it's not just information that you're giving them. Like they're, you're changing them. You're in the medical field. You get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Um, he's the great physician. You get to the, show the world Jesus. Um, name, your, name your profession. Uh, there's good work to do, and we should work hard at it. And Jesus stopped, and he rested. Jesus was tired. If 
the Son of God needs to stop and take a break and needs to recharge the battery. If the Son of God needs to stop, then so do you and I. And that's a hard word in West Michigan. I feel that too. Some of us, I think a lot of us, uh, the reason we don't stop is because people need us. They need me over here. I can't, it's, it actually feels selfish. I think the reason a lot of us, like we struggle with Sabbath, we struggle with even resting in the evening is because it feels selfish. Uh, they need me to help move. They, they, they just, like, it's a five minute meeting over here. It's a six minute meeting over here. It feels selfish. It is not selfish. If the son of God recognizes that for him to do his best work, he has to hit the pump, the brakes. It is not selfish for you to do the same. Let's talk about rhythms. Let's get real, real practical here. Um, uh, God builds the calendar year with these, uh, these natural rhythms. Um, actually, one of the natural, one, two of the three are natural rhythms. One of them, God says, no, this isn't nat- there's no reason to take a, a Sabbath necessarily. In the, a monthly rhythm with the moon, you make sense. A yearly rhythm makes sense. But, there's, um, but God says, here's three rhythms I want you to, I built into the world. Here's how we're going to function as believers. There's a daily rhythm. Sun goes up, sun goes down. Work and rest. Then you've got your weekly rhythm. Every week, six days a week, you work. As Americans, many of us, we have two days where we don't have to work. That's awesome. Um, but one of those should be a, a Sabbath, a stopping. And then a, a yearly rhythm where you pull back and you reflect on it all and you learn to trust. Let me walk real practically through these three. Um, uh, let's talk about the yearly rhythm first. How's, let's do that. Um, God talks about marking the sacred seasons. Those are actually, in the Jewish calendar, there are seven annual holidays. You can read all about them uh, in Leviticus chapter 23, seven annual holidays. All of them revolve around the agricultural calendar. There are fall festivals, uh, fall holidays, uh, and the nature of every fall holiday is God, please send rain. Okay, that's, that's the prayers. And then uh, there are spring festivals, and the nature of all the spring festivals are Praise you, God, for sending us rain. Okay, there's other stuff, but that was, by and large, the, the festivals. What do you do in the middle? Well, that's the winter rains. That's waiting. That's where you learned that at the center of the universe, there is a throne, and you're not on it. Now, how do we live this out? Here's a question. When in your life do you have a yearly rhythm, at least once a year, of stopping? Uh, biblically, there are seven times, um, but let's just start with one. Uh, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, this one's the hardest for me. Okay, so the, the full confession, this is the hardest of the three. Uh, this one's the hardest for me. Uh, I've recognized the daily rhythm matters and not to take work home. I've worked really hard. Uh, COVID really made that hard because now I'm working from home. And it's like that messed it up, but I've worked really hard that my kids don't see me constantly at work, like bringing work home. And when I'm at work, I'm not constantly bringing home to work. Like I've worked hard at that. Uh, and Sabbath is one that I've worked really hard to um, years ago. Sabbath, Sabbath saved my life. Uh, that one saved my life. Um, and so I've gotten some disciplines around that. But uh, I, I'm not great at vacation, if I'm honest. Uh, I, uh, I've learned this about myself, and I don't like this about myself. And I, this last, I just got back from vacation, uh, went with some of my best friends. Um, we celebrated our 40th, and it was an incredible time. But I recognized in myself uh, that trip. I was like, I'm going to try to do this right and what I discover is um, I am not good at turning all the work off. Anybody else like that? It's not good at it. I, it follows me. I check my emails. I shouldn't check my emails. Um, our church is on this. Uh, we use this uh, software program called Slack. It was made by Satan, and now we use it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but, like, you can check it all the time. You can check it all the time, and I'm just, like, just checking in, making sure everything's okay. And I was trying to psychoanalyze that myself, like do some spiritual work. on God, what what is it about that? Now, lots of ways I can initially justify it. I love my job. So I'm just like, I love my coworkers. I just want to make sure everything's okay for them. Like I can justify that. I don't know if that's it though, fully. Um, I can justify it as like, I know that if I, uh, I got to do a ton of work to prep for vacation. And so like, if I just take a little bit with me, then I don't have to do as much on the front end. Or you probably bumped into this. After a vacation, there's a ton of work left to do. Um, and so like, I, if I just do a little bit on, if I answer that email, if I do this, it'll, it'll save me time later. I don't think it's that either, but those are good excuses for me. 
Um, the more I wrestled with this, I, honestly, I, th- I, I think, uh, this is me being transparent, so be nice to me. Um, but I think that the reason that I don't do great on vacation comes down to trust, if I'm fully transparent. I still think too much of my identity is wrapped around work. And what I've discovered is that every time I take a vacation, I come back and things are fine. And in my own twisted ego, I think I'm better than it should. It shouldn't be fine without me. Anybody else in the spot? Like, it shouldn't be fine. If In my own sense of like, okay... I, the, the work of my 40s is to try to detangle what we pray over every kid who's getting baptized, that your value and your worth do not come from what you do or produce. It comes from who you are. That's my work in this. Um, in fact, here's a humbling experience. This time I went on vacation and I checked my Slack and I found out that while I was gone, we made the newspaper for a good story. And I was like, oh, not only do they not need me, they do better without me. I think this is a struggle that a lot of people have when it comes to retirement, especially. Like, it's like, oh, wow, I spent 50 years in this profession and then I leave and they just hire somebody else in. When we tangle our work and our identity together, it gets really messy. And one of the natural rhythms is once a year, at least, maybe seven times if you want to be really biblical, you step away from it all to remember that at the center of the universe, there's a throne and you're not on it. And it's going to be okay. It's actually far better. Because now you can, instead of you going to work to try to get yourself worth, now you can go to work and you can give and you can pour into it. And whether or not it gives anything back, you get to give all of you to it. That's once a year. So your homework is once a year, you, you pick a, I've got a friend who he and his wife, what they'll do every year is uh, they'll, they call it a marriage retreat. And it's just the two of them. They get a bed and breakfast and they bring out a planner and they talk about where did I hurt you this year? Where did, like, where, like, what are your goals? How can I help you in your goals? Here are my goals. Here's our calendar for the year. Here, I mean, brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Like, once a year, how do you step away from it all to be reminded that God can be trusted? Yearly rhythms. Uh, weekly rhythms, Sabbath. Sabbath is a big deal to God. Uh, it's such a big deal that God puts it in his top 10 list. It's like, Ten Commandments, top ten list. Um, And I understand that in West Michigan, Sabbath has been hijacked. So we have a lot of repair work to do from what we were told Sabbath is. That's kind of a distortion of what Sabbath was intended to be. For many of us, it got turned into all these weird rules. Um, As a kid, I could float but not splash. I could go to my next door neighbor's house, but not the neighbor next to them. That was probably just that person. But but that was the rule. You can't go that far away. Um, I told the first service, I'll tell you, uh, I have this weird memory that, uh, so when I was a kid, Family Fair was the first store in Hudsonville that opened on Sunday. And um, uh, my family is very, uh, right word is religious about Sabbath. Like we just don't, we didn't do anything like that on, sun, on Sunday. Go to church, go home. My mom would make this like amazing pot roast every single Sunday. Um, anybody else do pot roast Sundays? Is that, oh, all right. Thanks for inviting me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. So, uh, but my mom had forgotten one of the ingredients to buy it ahead of time. And I have the memory of the summer. My mom threw a coat on, put the hood on, because she had to run into family fair to get one ingredient. I'm like, so we got all that living inside of us. We got all that stuff, right? Like it's all, it's all in there somewhere. Uh, but first and foremost, in your Bible, according to Jesus, Sabbath was intended to be a gift, right? Jesus in the next chapter says the Sabbath was made for man or humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath, it's a gift. It's a gift, okay? So it's supposed to be good news. So we got to just keep doing that work of detangling where it was bad news. And how do we make it good news? It doesn't mean it's not work or doesn't require us to lean into it, to be intentional about it. Um, but Sabbath is a day where we, we realize we don't have to just keep producing. Uh, I, I say it saved my life because when I started ministry, I crashed course into Sabbath. I, I, I like crashed into Sabbath. I needed it. It saved me. Um, when I was in seminary, I, uh, I was working full-time. I took on a college pastor job uh, at a church called Beechwood in Holland. And so I was doing that full-time, and I was also a student full-time. And I was also single and had no kids. So I thought, I have tons of time. But what I fell into was this rhythm of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work during the week. And then on the weekends, I will get caught up in all my schoolwork. 
So Sabbath's kind of gone, but like I'll work all week uh, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I spend time on my, um, my homework and schoolwork and essays and papers and study and all that stuff on the weekends. So then I graduated and I got a job in uh, Vreesland, Michigan, just down the street. Um, and uh, I kind of carried that into my work. I worked all week and then the weekend came and I still had to write a sermon. So I got a, that became my, that's like my homework. I got still work to do. I got to produce something. And uh, I found myself like doing that. And then I started showing up to the office and, um, and I recognized that if I showed up to the office on Friday, I got high fives and attaboys. It's like, oh, you're showing up on your day off. Friday's my day off. Uh, you, you show up on your day off. Look at you. you. That was like 25. Like you, you're like, you're the hardest worker we've met at 25. Wow. And then I realized if I show up on Saturday, I get even bigger high fives. No one else is there, but they see my car in the front of the church and they know he must be a hard worker. And it kind of fills the ego a little bit. Like, wow. Um, and then about two years into ministry, I wanted to quit. I was burned out. It felt like every week was just, there was no pause. It was like every week was a dot, 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 not a period. And I felt like, so I was burning out. And so I uh, called the pastor who was older and I asked if we could meet. And I said, hey, I don't know how you do it. You've been in ministry 30 years. He was in his late 50s, I think at the time. And I was like, I don't know how to do it. Um, I feel like I'm fried. Like I have nothing. There's a difference between having to say something on Sunday and having something to say. See the difference there? And I felt like, okay, I got to say something every week, but I got nothing to say anymore. It's been two years. I gave everything I learned in seminary to that church and I got nothing left. Nothing left. And he said, uh, so I said, like, how do you do, like, how do you take breaks? Well, tell me, like, your rhythm. And he said, hang on a second. And he opened his drawer and he pulled out his calendar, big calendar. And he looked at me and he slid into cross and he goes, I have not taken a, a day off in 30 years. And I thought, Okay, so I just got to keep plowing, keep pushing, keep going. And so uh, I, I, I dedicated myself just to keep pushing. And then a friend of mine uh, called me out on it. His name is Eric. He's a great guy. And he, Eric Peterson is his full name. He deserves that credit. Uh, and he says, Tim, you're not going to make it long. Let's talk. And he introduced me to the concept of Sabbath. I had studied it. Um, and he handed me a little book by Abraham Joshua Heschel called Sabbath. It's a little book. It's kind of, con- it's, a little heady, but it's, it saved me. Uh, and he said, you're, not, you're just not gonna make it long at this pace. Like you got nothing, to, and you're not at your best right now. I know you, you could do better. Like you're not at your best. And uh, he gave me the gift of Sabbath, of stopping, of ceasing. How? Okay, um, last week, Pastor Tom introduced us to, I think it was, he talked about the four relationships, right? The, uh, in the beginning, God creates us to be in harmony with himself, in harmony with one another, and then in harmony with the creation, and in harmony internally. And after the fall, you find all those four relationships fall apart, right? We are hiding from God, where she did it, she, he did it. Like we're blaming each other, we feel shame, the creation has thorns, like it all falls apart. So for me, Sabbath has been a very intentional, by the way, pause, uh, How do I say this? Um, for many of us, the, the lie has been exposed that if we just had more time, we would do Sabbath, but we're too busy for Sabbath, right? That's, that lie was exposed during the pandemic because all of a sudden we were granted lots of time and we still didn't practice Sabbath, okay? So just, I don't say that to bring shame. I just say that to, if this is going to happen, it's gonna have to be intentional. It's not just gonna, we're not just gonna accident, like you may crash into it and then it's intentional in another way. But like if we're gonna practice this, it's gonna have to be a discipline. We're gonna have to be intentional. We're gonna actually have to choose to do it. I actually remember sitting, like, I remember the words of Eric and he said, Tim, I just want you to think about what that pastor told you. He said he doesn't take a day off. He said, what other, what other sin? It's a 10 commandment, so it's a sin. It's one of the big sins. What other 10 commandment could you break and actually brag to your church about breaking it. Think about that. How, how, how what, what better indication that the train has gone off the tracks culturally, that it's okay for all of us, that if I say, I break the Sabbath, and you're like, yeah, but you work hard, good for you. But if I were to say, I love stealing, you would be like, murder's awesome, right? Like, like you would be like, no, no. Like affairs are, like every other one of the 10 commandments, you'd be like, no, you can't, that's not okay. But when it comes to Sabbath, like we're like, okay, no big deal. It's a busy world. 
Okay, so if it's gonna happen, we gotta be intentional. I think about the four relationships. How can I be intentional? Uh, what I've learned is I will spend my mornings in the first one because I think that's the most important. I think the first two go together. My relationship with myself and my relationship with God feels so connected. So I try in the morning. Sometimes first thing in the morning, depends on the week. Sometimes it's a little bit later uh, in, the, in the day. Um, but it's, it's in the morning time and I try to find time to spend alone with God. Now, um, honestly, that's part of why the devotional, we, we gave you the devotional, was it's a, it's a way to do that. It's not the only way to do that. It, it's a way to do that. Um, I, uh, sometimes it's a, a spoken prayer. Sometimes it's just silence. Sometimes I do it sitting in a chair in my house. Sometimes I do it in bed. Sometimes I do it in the sauna at the gym. Like it just, it, 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 it's a time though of intentional, here's, Full honesty, uh, I often, during the week, will have things that I do that I, re- I regret. Do you have this? Um, I, I'll say something, and I, I try to clean it up. I'll apologize to them. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. That was just mean. I don't know why I said that. It was a dumb joke. I don't know why I made that joke. And uh, they'll say, no big deal. Almost always. They're, like you, you, most people, when you apologize to them, they say, no big deal. But I can't let it go. Like Internally, I'm like, what was going on there? Sabbath is that day where I say, God, I cannot carry this around. I cannot carry it. Um, for me, what happens is if I keep going through the weeks without a Sabbath, it's kind of like you, you get all these little paper cuts, right? It's like a dumb thing you say there, a regret you made there, um, something somebody else said to you that got under your skin, that, that happened there. And now you have all these paper cuts. And if you don't let God heal them, you kind of bleed out. Not, no major thing. Nobody knows that that's happening. It's just little things, right? And so you apologize, they apologize, and it feels like it's gone, but it's not gone until God tells you it's forgiven. And I need to hear him say that. So that's my mornings. Um, and then uh, I, we try, I've tried to make this good news to my family. Like I want Sabbath to be a party. And so what we do is on uh, Sabbath, actually I've had to split these because my wife's work. So now I got my, my Sabbath and I have a family. It's complicated. I can walk you through it later. But um, we try to, for my kids' Sabbath, because Sunday's their, our family Sabbath, we get together with our best friends and we have a meal. One of the things you notice when you study uh, culture, history, is Every, uh, every religious, Christian, Jewish culture has always celebrated Sabbath with a meal. You go to Israel and it's a big meal. It's a party. Shabbat Shalom. And there's dancing and there's singing and there's wine and there's good food. And so we have a big meal. And uh, what do we do with the meal? We make our best food. We, uh, we have our best drinks. We have our best conversation. And we remind each other. We call it affirmations. We try to remind each other of why you're good news in my life. Make peace with our people, make peace with our God, make peace with ourselves. And then the last is I try to get outside. Honestly, this one's harder in Michigan. Just name it. In, in winter in Michigan, it's harder, but I try to reconnect somehow outside. Uh, hunters, you, you found the magic secret, right? Like you recognize you can do this even in the cold. You can go sit in a, like you can go do it. it and it's, your soul needs that. I don't know how it looks for you, um, but uh, if you've never done this before, by the way, if you've never practiced Sabbath, my experience was when I first started practicing this, by, by like one in the afternoon, my adrenaline, I was so used to just the, the adrenaline buzz that I would like crash. I, it, was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Uh, by one o'clock, I was like, oh, I got nothing left. Um, yeah, that's your body detoxing. It's detoxing. That's, that's, that's what that is. Um, so like maybe you start with a small window. That's okay. It's okay. Start with a small window and then allow that window to grow. Try to get, the, in the Jewish calendar, it's 25 hours is, your, is their Sabbath. So I try to let that grow. Um, another thing about Sabbath. Uh, the Bible says, do not work on the Sabbath. It doesn't define work. You've got to do that work, right? So you've got all this debate in the Bible and the debate after the Bible around what is work. And, and then we as a culture say, well, shopping is work, but, um, but this isn't, but like cooking isn't work. I mean, we make it our own thing, but you've got to define work. So for me, Work for me revolves primarily around two devices, this one and my computer. I can justify these devices, but I know it's work. Uh, now, there's things I can do on those devices that aren't work, but by and large, when I'm on those devices, I am responding to something, I'm doing some kind of a work. So for me, my Sabbath rule to myself is, thou shalt not use cell phone or computer. 
at least for work. Mowing the lawn, because most of my, my day is spent inside, that does not feel like work at all to me. In fact, I love, I've been mowing barefoot, which my neighbors tell me is dangerous, but, um, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, and so it doesn't, now if you're in landscaping, that probably feels like work. And maybe this other doesn't feel like work. I don't know. You, the Bible doesn't define work. It just says you must rest. Um, we'll just, we'll leave it there. I had a whole daily rhythm, but we'll, that's enough. You cannot pour from an empty vessel. Here, let me leave you with these words of Jesus. Um, I have a hunch that some of us need to hear these words. And maybe, even if it's just for me, I need to hear these again. This is from Jesus, uh, the message translation once again. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what we want? Jesus invites us into the deep waters but it will require us to buck the culture at large that's just faster, faster, more, more, more. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, Lord, I pray for uh, my friends. Lord, I ask that um, for all of us who have, Lord, for everyone who this morning is, we're exhausted. Uh, Jesus, um, we recognize that uh, we need every word from you. We cannot live on bread alone. Lord, we need every word from you. So would you speak life back into us? Lord, for everyone who's not, they, we've passed exhausted miles ago and we are at the spot of burned out. Uh, Lord, our prayer is that um, we would follow your lead and we would uh, love you enough and love ourselves enough to slip away and to allow you to fill us back up. And Lord, for every one of us who um, has a holy God-given uh, gift and work to do in this world, uh, Lord, would you remind us that it's in rest that we do our best work. Lord, would you remind us of the one thing you've called our lives to do and be, and help us, Lord, to, to recognize the distractions for what they are, all the good things. Uh, Lord, help us to see what the great thing is you've called us into. Would you, Jesus, help us to build your kingdom here? And we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Would you please stand? We hope that this week's message has brought you both some challenge and some blessing. For more information about how you can become a part of the South Harbor Church community, find us on the web at www.southharbor.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at South Harbor Church. And on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., you can find our service streamed live on our Facebook page. And so from all of us here at South Harbor and the Harbor Churches, we wanna wish you a blessed week.